And we welcome Pastor Laren Zorhoff to the pulpit this morning. Good morning, Laren. We could actually give him a good, warm Hope Church welcome. What do you think? Huh? I think so. I just want you to know, Laren, that I never get applause when I oh, go yeah. up there. So. <laughs> well, thanks to Don and Andy for your kind introduction and for the opportunity to join you in worship today. I've uh, had the opportunity um, during the course of my time at Classes Ileana to preach in all of the churches in Classes Ileana with the exception of three. And one of those three was Hope Community Church in Lowell. So that list is down to two. I mentioned that to Andy before the service. Uh, thanks for the opportunity to share God's word with you this morning. The passage that we're going to be looking at primarily is Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2. It's found on page 441 if you're using the pew Bibles that you have in your seats. And uh, we're going to be focusing on the theme of seeing your work as a calling from God. Before I get into the actual reading of that scripture, I want to introduce the theme with a, an illustration that comes from the world of sports. Some of you may be aware of the fact that last year ESPN produced a 10-part docu-series chronicling the life and career of the legendary basketball uh, icon Michael Jordan and the 1990 Chicago Bulls team that set all sorts of records. It features some never-before-seen footage from the 1997 to 1998 season when the Chicago Bulls were trying to win their sixth out of eight NBC, NBA championship uh, titles. They called this docu-series The Last Dance. In his first, um, in, in his uh, years in the, uh, as a basketball player for the Chicago Bulls, with six NBA titles, with five Most Valuable Player Awards, with 14 All-Star appearances, and many stellar last-second shots, Michael Jordan's legacy as a basketball player is simply unmatched. Today, Michael Jordan is 58 years of age, and his life off the court hasn't been able to match the accolades that he received while he was on the court. In fact, he stated recently, I would give up everything in order to be able to go back and play the game of basketball again. Jordan had that insatiable desire to prove himself on the court. And that same intensity is still his. But he hasn't been able to find significance, security, and satisfaction. Jordan had a code name when he was starring as a basketball player for the Chicago Bulls. The security team that was entrusted with looking after him referred to him as Yahweh, the Hebrew name for the great I am. ESPN writer Wright Thompson says, Jordan is used to being the most important person in every room that he enters. People cater to his every whim. His self-esteem has always been directly tied to the game of basketball. 
in his 2009 Hall of Fame speech. Jordan called the game of basketball his refuge. The place where I've gone over and over again when I need to find comfort and peace. So here's the question that I want to place before you this morning. Where do you go for your refuge? Where do you find your comfort and your peace? Are you looking for peace through another person, through your possessions, through whatever it is that you enjoy doing in life? Or are you looking for peace and security and satisfaction through the work that you do on a daily basis? Have you ever noticed how often people respond to the question, how are you, by saying, I'm busy. I'm terribly busy. It seems like I'm going a hundred different directions at the same time. It's almost like we need to validate our lives by telling people how busy we are. Today we're going to look at a couple verses from Psalm 127 that talk about work. Notice the preface. It's called a Song of Ascents. Since Jerusalem was located on a high hill, people who traveled to the city of Jerusalem had to climb up. They had to move forward and upward in order to arrive at their place of destination. There are 15 songs of ascent that we find in the scriptures, Psalm 120 to Psalm 134. And these are songs which the people of Israel would sing as they traveled to Jerusalem, as they ascended to the hill of Jerusalem to worship in the temple and to participate in the major festivals that the Jewish people uh, celebrated each year. The priest would often sing those same psalms as they ascended the stairs to that magnificent temple of Solomon, stopping on each stair to sing one of these great songs of ascent. In a general sense, this section of the Psalms helps us to grow, to mature, to go up in our faith. The next phrase tells us who the human author of this particular Psalm, Psalm 127, is. It says, of Solomon. While David wrote most of the Psalms that we find in the scriptures, Solomon wrote at least two of them. His name is ascribed to this particular psalm. And according to 1 Kings 4, verse 32, Solomon spoke 3,000 proverbs, and he also wrote 1,005 songs. This particular psalm reads like a proverb, with each phrase standing out as a memorable maxim to reflect on and to consider. We read from verses 1 and 2. Unless the Lord builds the house, its, watchmen, its, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Notice, first of all, that the word unless is used twice. This is a word of condition. 
similar in meaning to the word except, which is the way the King James Version translated it. Except the Lord build the house, or unless the Lord build the house. It's a very strong word, an emphatic term. Secondly, there are three words that are used in these verses that refer to work. Build, labor, and toil. And thirdly, notice that the word vain is used three different times. This can be translated as emptiness or vanity or uselessness or worthless or without result. So we can summarize these two verses by saying, unless our labor is for the Lord, our lives will be empty. There are three human needs that are addressed in these verses. The need for significance, the need for security, and the need for satisfaction. So let's look at each of those. First of all, seeing our work as a calling provides us with significance. Look at the first part of verse 1 again. Unless the Lord builds the house. All of us want our contributions to make a difference, to count for something. We want our lives to leave a legacy behind us. Unfortunately, too many of us are trying to do that on our own, apart from the Lord. And as a result, the psalmist says, those who build it or its builders labor in vain. Have you ever seen that bumper sticker that says, work fascinates me? I can sit and look at it for hours. Or here's another one. Maybe some of you can identify with this. The worst day of fishing is better than the best day of working. Or here's another one. Hard work may not kill me, but why take a chance on that? <laughs> Our culture has some confusion about what work is all about. On the one hand, we have workaholics who devote all of their time and energy and effort to their work. And on the other hand, we have the work abhorics who do whatever they can to get out of doing whatever work they can get out of. And in the middle, there are the majority of the people who operate according to a different standard. I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. While some people may love their jobs, other people really can't stand their work. They're simply doing it because they have to do it in order to provide a living. For some, their work becomes a career in which they sacrifice their lives. Work can easily become a person's religion, something that we give all of our time and energy and effort to. Someone has said that we worship our work and we work at our play and we play at our worship. Solomon kept a diary that can be found in the Bible. It's called the Book of Ecclesiastes, and he came to understand that our jobs are never going to fully satisfy and meet the deepest needs that we have in our hearts and lives. Listen to what he says in the Book of Ecclesiastes. What do people gain for all of their labors at which they toil under the sun? I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and, and great vineyards. And yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, 
everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. While you may get tired at your job or even be tired of your job, the Bible teaches us that work has intrinsic value for at least two very important reasons. And the first is this. God is a worker. Have you ever stopped to think about the fact that that's the way God introduces himself in the very first verses of the Bible? Genesis 1, verse 1. God created the heavens and the earth. And then in Genesis 2, verse 2, that work is referred to as something that God is intimately involved in. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. And so on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. But he didn't stop working. Because in the New Testament, in John 5, verse 17, Jesus said, My Father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. So the first reason why work has intrinsic value is because God is a worker. There's a second reason why work has intrinsic value, and that is that you and I are called to be co-workers with God. Not only is God a worker, but he calls you and me to be workers as well. Genesis 1 verse 26 says that man is to rule over the creation. And Genesis 2 verse 15 states that Adam was placed in the garden to work it and take care of it. Notice that this work was given to Adam prior to the time he and Eve disobeyed God and fell into sin and a curse came upon the world. Adam was a worker before sin entered into the world. He was a co-worker with God. God gave him this beautiful garden of Eden to take care of, to tend on his behalf. And that's a partnership that continues to this very day. God gives to us and we are responsible to use what he gives to us in a way that brings praise and honor and glory to him. For we are co-workers in God's service, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 9. And check this out. The Hebrew word for work is also translated as worship and service. God is interested in our work because our worship and our service are intricately tied into the work that we do. Adam worshipped God, and by the work that he was given to do, he brought honor and glory to God and found fulfillment in the work that he did. When we labor out of love for God, we put on display the genius of God who created each one of us individually to reflect his glory and beauty. And when we work in concert with God according to our giftedness and according to our abilities, God is glorified and we are fulfilled because we're doing precisely what God made us and equipped us to do. Colossians 3 verse 17 says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him.
That's what we are called to do. Tragically, with the entrance of sin into the world in Genesis 3, this partnership became distorted. Adam and Eve became self-centered. Instead of a desire to give, they began to have a desire to take. Instead of a desire to, 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 uh, to serve, they had a desire to dominate. Instead of a desire to love, they began to experience the seeds of hate. In addition, because of the fall, we read in Genesis 3, verse 17, that work is now going to involve painful toil. And verse 18 declares that work will no longer be completely efficient because now the ground is going to produce thorns and thistles. And so the challenge for us is to recognize that even though labor may be hard and difficult and challenging, we have been given the responsibility, entrusted the responsibility of working in tandem with God and not just for ourselves. And you know what happened a few chapters later in the book of, Revela in, uh, book of Genesis when people started working apart from God by building the Tower of Babel. And you know what God did. He put an end to that. And he scattered them across the face of the earth. Our culture holds up work as a way in which we can find fulfillment and satisfaction. There's a story about three men who were digging a foundation. When asked what they were doing, the first man replied that he was working in order to provide food and necessities for his family. The second man said that he was working in order to accumulate money so that he could go out and have a good time on the weekend. Only the third man came up with the appropriate response. He said, I'm building a cathedral to the glory of God. Do you see your job as an avenue to promote the purposes of God in your life and in your setting? When our labor is for the Lord, our lives will be fulfilling. But when we are simply working for ourselves apart from the Lord, our lives are going to be empty and barren. When we work with him, allowing him to do his work through us, then and only then can we experience significance. And that brings us to the second point that I want to mention. Seeing work as a calling provides security. Security has always been a concern and still is for Israel today. Surrounded by enemies on every hand, enemies that would like to wipe Israel off the face of the map, Israelis today live under high alert. In ancient times, many cities were surrounded by large walls, and at various points on those walls, there were towers where watchmen would keep guard over the city 24 hours a day. We live in an increasingly insecure society, don't we? Chicago has seen 519 homicides during the first eight months of this, this year. 
This summer, a 29-year-old police officer named Ella French was fatally killed, and her partner was seriously wounded and just came out of the hospital this past week all over a routine traffic violation stop. And now that Afghanistan has been taken over by the Taliban, there are some people who are wondering and worrying about whether September 11 is going to recur all over again. In addition to that, there are many people in our country and around the world who have lost their lives due to COVID-19, and that threat still exists in our nation and in the nations of the world. And, and many of us have been personally affected by it due to the death of a friend or a loved one who passed away because of COVID-19. And then you probably remember just a, a short time ago how Hurricane Ida caused devastation in Louisiana, flooding there and in the northeastern states of the United States, resulting in 60 people losing their lives. And then there are all those wildfires that are burning out of control in the western part of the United States. And so we ask the question, what can we do? How can we become more vigilant and more watchful? But notice what the second part of verse 1 says. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. No matter how hard we work, no matter how hard we strive to find security, Apart from the Lord, every single one of us is in a very precarious position. Unless our labor is for the Lord, our lives will be empty. But when we work with him, allowing him to do his building through us, we will find significance. And when we entrust ourselves into his watchful care, then and only then can we find security. That brings us to the third thing I want to mention this morning. Seeing work as a calling provides satisfaction. In verse 2, we see a picture of unhealthy desperation. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Solomon is describing someone here who is all stressed out, not sleeping well, tossing and turning at night, toiling to provide food that they don't really enjoy eating because of their stress and because of their anxious toil that causes emotional and physical pain in their lives. Solomon wrote something very similar to that in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 22 and 23, where he says, What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days their work is grief and pain. Even at night they do not rest. This too is meaningless. Here's the principle. God gives rest to those who have learned to trust in him. Not to those who think that they can do everything on their own, in their own strength, according to their own pattern of doing things. Instead of trying to get our satisfaction 
from our jobs by working harder and harder and putting in more and more hours. Only God can give sleep to those he loves. Psalm 44 verse 8 puts it this way, In peace I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. Unless our labor is for the Lord, our lives will be empty. But when we do labor for the Lord, we will find significance and security and satisfaction. Our New Testament passage found in Colossians 3, verses 23 and 24, puts it this way. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters, since you know that you will receive a reward from the Lord as your reward from the Lord. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So how can we apply these verses to our lives today? First of all, evaluate your emptiness. Do you find your life to be unsatisfying and empty? Does your money seem to burn a hole in your pocket? Let me recall for you some words that come to us from the prophet Haggai. He was living in a time when people were putting their own lives and their own houses and their own jobs before the Lord. And as a consequence, they were not experiencing the Lord's blessing. In order to call this to their attention, God didn't allow them to find significance and security and satisfaction. Listen to what he says in verses 5 to 7. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You, have, you, you drink, but never have enough. You eat, but are never full. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse that has holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your work. The solution, says Haggai, is to put God first and not ourselves. Secondly, worship while you work. Much of our life is spent in the place where we do our work. This is where we have the opportunity to bring praise and honor to, and glory to God and, and minister to the people around us. And if we keep that in our minds and focus on the fact that our work is our worship to God and our way to impact the lives of people around us for their good and for their benefit, that will change the way we do our work from day to day. Thirdly, view your job as a calling, not a career. Worship God and not your work. Don't make your job an idol and don't try to find your identity in your work. By the way, if you're a stay-at-home mom, that is your job. Or if you're retired, you have the opportunity to worship and work and serve the Lord in new and in fresh and different ways. If you want to find worth in your work, view your job as a calling and not a career. 
A career can become an altar upon which we sacrifice our lives in order to build money and possessions and other things. A calling recognizes that we are co-workers with God to accomplish his purpose in order that we can find contentment, in order that we can satisfy the needs that we have, and in order that we can give so that God can meet the needs of other people through us. And finally, live on mission at work. Pastor Andy has been preaching about the importance of mission as an essential ingredient of our lives. And, and when it comes to our work, you need to learn to see yourself as a missionary, disguised as an employee. You are a missionary disguised as an engineer. You are a missionary disguised as a business owner. You are a missionary disguised as a farmer. You are a missionary disguised as a housewife. You are a missionary disguised as a waitress. You are a missionary disguised as a student. You are a missionary disguised as a neighbor. Whatever it is that you are called to do, you can serve as a missionary in that particular area of life. Your career is a ladder to climb. Your mission is a journey to take. Your career makes you a professional. Your mission makes you a disciple. Your career can take you to the top if you succeed. Your mission leads you to the cross. Your career is about the here and now. Your mission is about eternity. And if you are just here to eat and sleep and go to college and eventually get married and find a a suitable place of employment and accumulate goods and resources to satisfy your needs and maybe eventually a summer or a winter home and, and some of the luxuries that go along with that so that eventually you can retire and die peacefully. What's the big deal? A career can be important and valuable and useful. But a mission for God as you fulfill the work that God has called you to do is much more meaningful and fulfilling. Each year during the month of October, we celebrate Reformation Sunday. It all began on October 31 when Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the door of the castle church in Wittenberg, Germany. One of the major themes of the Protestant Reformation is the theme of justification by faith apart from works. The Bible emphasizes the fact that we can't gain satisfaction and fulfillment and meaning on our own. That there's no way we can earn our own salvation by the works that we are able to accomplish as we make our journey through life. The Protestant Reformation reminds us that Jesus did that for us. He lived a perfect life, and he suffered and died on Calvary's cross, 
paying the price for our sins so that all through faith who put their faith in him can have the assurance of sins forgiven and life everlasting. And just before Jesus died, he cried out in a loud voice, it is finished. The word he used there comes from the world of banking and finance. It's a word that talks about the fact that when a person borrows money and pays it back, the banker can say that your debt is fully paid and satisfied. Literally, it is paid in full. Someone has to pay the price for our sin. The Bible makes it clear that either we have to pay that price ourselves, or somebody else has to pay it for us. When Jesus shed his blood on Calvary's cross, he paid the price for you and for me. He took our moral liabilities and placed and stamped placed, paid in full across the ledger sheet of our lives. Our sin debt has been forgiven. We don't have to work to gain favor with God. In fact, if we try to work in order to gain favor with God, we're going to be disappointed at the paycheck we receive. Because Romans 3 verse 23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. And every single one of us has violated God's standards. Because he is a just God, a penalty needs to be paid. Jesus paid that price for us when he offered his life as an atoning sacrifice on Calvary's cross. He became our substituted. He paid the price with his life, and God accepted his death as an atonement for our sins. He completed his work so that you and I don't have to labor in order to get into heaven. Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9 puts it so succinctly. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. This is a gift from God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So work hard at your job. But don't let your job become your God. Enjoy the results of God's work on your behalf. And put your faith and trust in the supreme expression of love that we see shown to us on the cross of Jesus. Focus your attention on the perfect life and atoning death of Jesus who completed his work so that you can experience significance and security and satisfaction and a benefit package that is simply out of this world. So here's the deal. Our labor must be for the Lord. Because unless our labor is for the Lord, our lives will be empty. Significance, security, and satisfaction can only be found when we put our trust and our faith in Jesus Christ alone for our salvation. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the perfect life and atoning death of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. Thank you that you accepted that atoning sacrifice as a payment for our sins so that we, through faith in Jesus, 
may know the reality and the blessing and the joy of sins forgiven and have the hope of life eternal. And as, as those who have experienced that wonderful gift of salvation, help us to rededicate ourselves to being your servants at work in this world, whatever that work may be for each of us. Help us to do our work in a way that expresses our love and our devotion to you and enriches the lives of the people around us. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.